This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we're back, everybody. It's another Forever Mighty postgame show. 3-0 and Ducks starting off the season on home opener against the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, my God, a mouthful here. Third Jersey night, 25th anniversary. John Gibson on fire, as always. No Getzloff. And a uh, special, special day today because finally, after many tries, we are able to bring our good friend and co-host Jason on board. And Eddie is here, as always. Jason, what's happening, my friend? Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, guys. What up, gal pals? I missed you. <laughs> I know, man. It's, we've, we've tried it a few times. We got it right today. Yay. <laughs> finally <Slaughter>. gets on <laughs> so tonight's a big night guys um like i just said in the beginning of the show the third jersey night we'll talk about those for sure um we have to talk about getzloff unfortunately it was really strange to watch uh, the the intro for this ducks team and like 33 million dollars standing in suits on the bench not on the ice it just <laughs> it's just a just a horrible sight for ducks fans across the country uh, very disappointing, but uh, what a hell of a game this turned out to be, um, probably because there's so many damn kids in the lineup, and it, just, it created kinds of chaos everywhere. But um, how did you guys feel, just overall feel on the game before we get started? Well, it, was, it was funny when you mentioned uh, seeing all those guys on the bench when you're watching all the player intros. You kind of felt like you're about five years in the future, and you're looking at all these guys making their way out of the tunnel in Sherwood and Steele, Terry Lindstrom making his debut. It was uh, it was pretty funny to see and and saddening at the same time because uh, you basically see your two best players. You see basically all the veterans too because you got Cass and Eves on there as well. Um, but they did pretty well, honestly. For I know Detroit isn't a great team, but when you have so many guys out of the lineup, so many key guys out of the lineup to come out and really play a solid game throughout. You know, a couple hiccups here and there, but I think it was a good effort from them, better than the first two games. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a, an interesting one to watch all the way through, and, and like you said, with all those injuries, and you're talking Eves, Kessler, uh, Getzloff, Perry, Kasha, and then you consider also you know Nick Ritchie as a, a holdout. I mean, that's that's six of your top nine forwards, you know, arguably. So that's that's quite a turnover, and a whole lot of guys sitting there in suits uh, that you really kind of were hoping could be in the lineup uh, this season, but. The the game had its problems, which it will happen with having, well, I think they had like six rookies out there <laughs> to, to play this game. And I think Detroit also had six rookies, too. Uh, but those were mostly on the back end. So you, you're going to get some mistakes. You're going to get some, uh, you know, bad plays and lulls in the game where you don't really have cohesiveness. But they were able to kind of put it together at the right time and the right people stepping up. So it was still still a good, fun game to watch all the way, especially at the end. Luckily, it turned out that way. Uh, Lundestrom making his uh, his first career NHL appearance tonight with the Ducks. I think you got Eddie. You were saying pregame youngest duck ever, right? Eighteen years old, fresh out of. Uh, is he playing in Sweden? 
Yeah, he was. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, this kid was playing in the SHL last year against men, and uh, he comes into the NHL and he just he doesn't look out of place. And I think a lot of people saw that even in preseason and rookie camp where he looked like he was the most mature forward, uh, and he looked like that in this game. And I mean, we'll get into a, a whole analysis of his debut later, but. Just a great game from him. And, yeah, I think it was the Ducks who tweeted it out. They said he was the third youngest player uh, of all time for the Ducks to make their debut and the, the youngest forward. Well, even younger than Korea? It was close. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Pretty young. I mean, I, I'm going off what they said, so I trust them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of <laughs> trust them. So I guess I'll take <laughs> yeah, that word for yeah. <laughs> Let's get started with the show. Let's run that intro and kick the game off. Try to get by Benning. I think this is the problem about asking for questions in the second intermission is we've already got Chase in here saying, before you answer my question, I'd like to retract the <laughs> fact that now, yeah, yeah, Fowler and Manson played good in the third period. So, yeah, maybe maybe we should be asking at the end of games. Right. <laughs> when it makes the most sense. <laughs> uh, I see my wife popped in there and says, Jesus hates the Ducks. I'm assuming she's talking about all the injuries. Yeah, well, we Somebody's got to listen to the show, right? So. <laughs> There's our one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's kick off the first period. Um, right away, I was pissed off. It uh, doesn't take much, as everyone is, is going to come to find out. But uh, Fowler and Manson paired again along with uh, Lindholm and Montour. I, I, at the beginning of this game, I know that uh, – foreshadowing a little bit when we, when we started the show this game turned out all right for the ducks but in the beginning seeing those pairings i was just like did anyone look at any of the uh the extra stats that aren't necessarily on the basic box score and take a look at how bad everyone got just crushed every single night uh the past two nights yeah i know it's early but i mean just brutal and then we see it again i was just like oh jesus hold on please 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 let randy make a change no change to start the game uh you guys have any feeling on that when you saw that or are you guys kind of like ah whatever uh, you know, I, I think it's tough because I saw a lot of people on Twitter today, especially going into this game, saying, do we blame it on coaching in the system or do we blame it on the fact that we've had so many guys out of the lineup? And I think maybe up front you could say that because that's where all the turnover has been. But on the blue line, we have everybody there who should be there. And I think you can blame it more on the system or just the unfamiliarity of these guys playing together up until that point of why they've struggled. So I, I kind of put a little bit more blame on the on the players um, and the system as a whole than, than really the roster turnover, at least on the blue line. And I'm wondering, you know, looking at it from maybe a different angle, is if they're trying to put like a, a Fowler and a Manson, you have, you know, the, the offensive gift of what Fowler can do, but kind of the responsible um, defensive play of Manson, and then trying to do the same thing with a, a Lindholm and a Montour. And because of maybe losing out on some of those forwards uh you have those two guys that can do a lot of offense on two different lines that might be able to kind of help propel a little bit more offense but have a guy who's able to pick up the slack if it doesn't quite work out so i'm wondering if the injuries might have something to do with them doing those pairings at this time because uh, it just seems so weird that they would split it up and then just stick with it even though they're still kind of really getting outplayed through most of the games 
Yeah, and it's just you kind of find out in this first period it, it didn't get off to the best start. Uh, the Ducks kind of just couldn't get everything. I, I feel like they just could never get it started in the first. Um, I like how uh, our, our favorite announcers tried to say that it was like a big night, a lot of rookies on the ice. Everyone's kind of nervous about this. I'm like, I'm not buying that against <laughs> the freaking Red Wings on a Monday night. I'm not really th- thinking these guys are terrified to play hockey. But uh, a little bit of dump and chase on the first power play for the Ducks. I was kind of just going, really? Yeah, well, that kind of makes sense the way it's going to go. Uh, not a good start. Comtois ends up taking a hooking penalty and creates it, uh, to, you know, being a four on four for a bit. Um, not a lot of chances for either team. And then we get to see Fowler. Uh, Fowler, I mean, the past couple of games, we noticed defensemen up and down the ice like crazy. I mean, we noticed uh, big-time Brandon Montour, obviously, against the Sharks. We noticed Lindholm up and down the ice last game. And then this uh, this game, I really noticed Cam Fowler early on. And this one, he dangles in, gets hooked a little bit, uh, has a chance to make something happen, but uh, doesn't really turn out there for the Ducks. Um going back and forth there you know who looked really good though was that fourth line in the beginning of the game i really felt yeah. like they stood out more than anybody a lot of pressure and a lot of heavy uh skating down low what we kind of saw in the beginning of this game was what we saw in the last two games where it was a lot of frantic play and a lot of up and down and, and the ducks kind of shooting themselves in the foot on the power play at least in this game where they got two power plays the first two power plays of the game um and they took a penalty during their power play so it was a lot of what we've kind of been used to for the start of the season although we're only two games in but they they did turn it on later and we'll get to that but you know the question is is it more of the fact that the Red Wings retired after playing a back-to-back uh, playing the Kings last night or the fact that the Ducks got better we'll we'll have to see but yeah that fourth line uh the new look fourth line from last game I believe when it was Gibbons, Rowney and Street Street I guess a surprising addition to the team that, that he's actually still playing um, obviously, with all the injuries, if if everybody was healthy, he probably wouldn't be in there. But they look good. They're they're doing what they're supposed to do when they're sent, they're sent out there. You know, they're they're crashing the net. They're providing some energy, uh, and I think it was a really good game for them all around. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they wanted to try and do to be able to be a faster team. You're going to have to really spread out four lines, and so you're going to need that energy. The the other lines that can really kind of help push the pace when maybe other lines are having a little bit of difficult time. So you're going to hopefully see more of that moving forward because you have to spread that out if you want to become a faster team with younger players. So as the game moves on here, uh, the Red Wings end up getting on the board first, which actually turned out to be like a broken play turning into a pretty play, resulting in a goal by Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, it's the douchebag's kid playing for the Red Wings. I don't uh, think so. Comes... I think it's his nephew. Is it his nephew? Yeah, it's in the it's family. Nephew. It's, he's it's related. Whatever. <laughs> Apparently Bertuzzi's a great guy off the ice, but on the ice we all know what he's about. Uh, one of the meanest, nastiest guys who's ever played the game, in my opinion. Uh, Bertuzzi with a spin move down low, walks around. Gibson and just uh, it all happened in one slick motion after it was a, just a random backhand feed. I don't know how a guy as big as Bertuzzi gets lost behind the defense, but he was able to and spins down and scores. All of a sudden, it's one nothing Detroit. I would love to see Todd try that move. I mean, no. that would just be he would great. he would just ran Gibby over and stuff the puck in, true, <laughs> yeah. or tripped over the puck or something, stepped on it. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good move. I guess you can't really blame that on Gibby. It's, it's kind of poor coverage. The fact that Bertuzzi was left alone in a, in a position like that similar to how Hurdle walked Fowler and was in a, a similar position where he sniped it over Gibson's short side. Not much he can do. But, yeah, I mean, a great individual effort. Uh, I think it was a pretty even play up until this point, uh, a little bit back and forth, but the Red Wings took a, a, a took a chance on what the, the only chance they had in that game so far, and they cashed in. 
Yeah, and from a, a goalie perspective, you, Gibby, you could tell after he gave it up, he was kind of like, oh, if I'd just done one thing a little bit differently. Uh, that that walk-in, I think he was just maybe a little bit too delayed in moving over. He wasn't quite sure Pertuzzi was going to try and throw it you know, back against the grain, five hole. So he was trying to cover most of that and was maybe just a hair slow getting his blocker over. And Bertuzzi made a great play, and there's not a whole lot you can do. It's just more of like trying to read it in the moment. And Bertuzzi did make such a good play and did it very quickly. But I, I, you could see Gibson kind of like tapped his stick on the ice, kind of like, ah, damn it, should have had that. Should should have been moving just a little bit earlier. So it's it, you can't really blame him on that one. But at the same time, he, he kind of felt he probably could have gotten to that earlier. So, of course, after the Red Wings score a goal, why not uh, have a really horrible bad shift by Marcus Pedersen and uh, Luke Shin out on the ice? That was scary. I can't tell you how many times I counted they turned the puck over. Um, like, just randomly. I remember Pedersen in the, in, in the duck zone just threw it from, like, the goal line just up the middle. Just gets intercepted. Um, Glenn Denning almost scores. You can't do that kind of stuff. I, and I, I know that, like I said at the beginning of the season, like, hey, you play a guy like five, six, seven minutes. He's not really going to move the, the ticker one way or the other too much to cause you too much trouble in the season. But when the Ducks are winning these games by the skin of their teeth and probably don't do, you know, deserve to be winning these games, you can't have those kinds of mistakes. And luckily, they didn't get burned by Pedersen and Shen tonight. Now, that's yeah, a Chen. Kevin Bieksa mistake, right? I mean, <laughs> damn. Hasn't been good so yeah. far. Yeah, Shen was like right in the middle. He got the puck and he like picked his head up and tried to look around and like, where am I going to send this today? Let's see. Anyone over? Uh, oh, oops, oops, someone's coming. And then threw it like right into the shin guards and it got turned like over. It didn't result in, I don't think, a shot, but just it was, it should have been an easy out. It should have been going the other way. And all of a sudden now we got to go mad scramble back and go figure out, you know, who's going to cover who, where, where's what's going on. It was just too many of those plays specifically. Yeah, you know, a shift or two there in the, the first period after the goal. I'm just sitting there from a goalie perspective again. I'm just sitting there going like, my God, guys, that was that was easy. Get it out. Just get it out. You have time. So it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I if, see. <laughs> if we continue to see that, too, um, I think, you know, Pedersen has struggled to get the pocket out of his own out of his own zone. Uh, zone exits have been a struggle, especially for the bottom pairing throughout the first two games, whether it's been Pedersen and Shen or Pedersen and Suster. I think Josh Maher is a guy, I, depending on how well he does in San Diego, is a guy that gets a, a, an easy look at coming up if they continue to struggle because that's something he excels in. And if this team is going to be looking to play faster from the back end, I could see him getting a chance to come up and, and, and make a difference. I mean, it, it sucks that you have to pair a guy like that with Shanner Suster. Same with what we saw last year when Pedersen had to come up and play with Bieksa and uh, and Boschman. But I, I could see it happening, especially if the struggles continue. Well, to wrap up the first period, Gibby, of course, would be forced to make another stellar stop, this time on Gustav Nyquist, who was somehow allowed to walk all the way to the faceoff dot and rip one, and it narrowly uh, just missed. It hit the crook of the arm of Gibby and goes wide, and that's all she wrote for the first period. Wings take a one nothing lead to the locker room, outshoot the Ducks 8-6. to uh, say, And my notes on this were just like, same defensive pairing, same results so far. I just, Ducks didn't look good out the gate. Um and, you know, the, the really the only guys buzzing around were Fowler, and then we saw Raquel a couple of times. How were your guys' feelings in the first? Uh, I, I thought it was choppy. Um, that's that's kind of the word I, I, I kind of was thinking to myself. It was just like passes weren't really connecting. A lot of passes tended to be in the, uh, the skates that 
the Ducks forwards were able to kind of kick it up and, and get it, you know, at least have it. But it's just there was no really sustained pressure for uh, the most part of it. Lots of whistles, some offsides, icings, and just just plays that just weren't clicking. They weren't hitting, and they looked like the slower team compared to Detroit, who played last night. So it was it was it was not a good start in my eyes, but definitely choppy play. It's a lot of what we saw in the first two games, like I said earlier. It's just a lot of frantic play, uh, disorganized play by most of the team, especially the forwards. And then the defense pairings, again, they just didn't really seem like they were working. It was the same result as what we saw in the first two games where Lindholm and Montour really weren't clicking that well. Fowler and Manson didn't really seem to be on the same page. And, of course, we had some errors from Pedersen and Shen, but at least you kind of expect it from the bottom pairing. We've kind of come accustomed to that but the top four with the talent the ducks have they have to be better and they weren't and it was it was what we were kind of used to seeing throughout the first two games i blame eisner oh you have to yeah former disney (laughs) former disney guy you have to blame him for that it's an easy Uh, getting started here in the second period lots of craziness would happen in this one and jason just kind of i i guess uh looked ahead a little bit because more of what he just said miss passes miss opportunities are going to be a plenty going forward here Ducks with much more of a jump in their second period start. A much, uh, I mean, that's something you have to have right after that first period. Decent shift for Raquel's line. Come to gets the puck down low at a sharp angle chance. Wasn't able to bury it. But the wings dump it over the glass. Give the Ducks a power play. Uh, and thank God they did because uh, the Ducks got all of 30 seconds of it before Fowler mishandles a puck at the blue line. Hooks helm. Then we're down to four on four. So you got a Again. little flub there with the puck. Manson falls down. Anthony CU gets a breakaway, lifts it over the net, and Gibby. I mean, that could have easily made this game 2 nothing. Um, so two defensive lapses there for the Ducks. And then uh, Mantha with a shot in front of Gibby as well, and he's able to cover it. So it's the John Gibson show again. This is uh, what we're just continuing from from last season. Um, just getting a little bit ahead here, but just I really saw in this period it was so many misplays with the Ducks I mean Lindholm had a whiff in the first period had a wide open chance Fowler fumbles the puck Manson falling down Raquel whiffs on a pass when they had uh, a fast break heading out of their zone it's just what the hell is going on with Anaheim when you're watching this game I'm just sitting here going you guys have all the chances in the world to get back at this game but you guys can't get out of your own way nothing's clean they they can't seem to get any clean passes off whether it be in the offensive zone or the defensive zone and even when they're handling the puck i mean manson falling down was a prime example of that he had he made two bad plays early on in the second period obviously one of them led to this uh, San Francisco breakaway um luckily he missed i mean that's a guy who's normally when he's in on a breakaway you expect him to at least get a shot on that and he just shovels it over gibby uh, Gibby played it well, but I mean, they the, they really got lucky in that one, and and it was just it was just such a mess. I, I mean, they they had started so well, and it's just these little mistakes here and there. I mean, Manson misplaying the puck, like you said, or Fowler fumbling it, taking a penalty, Raquel whiffing on a shot, Lindholm whiffing on a pass. I mean, it, so many misplays that they, they could easily be shored up, and they're just disorganized. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Gibby was was you know the the tower he needed to be when he needed to be it i mean he'll say well that's all i gave him was just to allow him to shoot over the net i allowed him to do that uh he ended up changing his goalie glove too i don't know if anyone noticed he was all cool and matching that first period but he changed back to his regular um ccm glove uh for the rest of the game after that so uh but uh, he, he looked good he made a lot of the stops the the players 
I don't know if it's that second period curse again, you know, that was always kind of haunting them for a while. That's rearing its ugly head again, the, the long shifts or whatever, the, the long uh, way to the bench. But, yeah, same thing. It was just it was choppy, nothing really clean on it. Well, it's a good thing the Ducks wouldn't have anything else to worry about in this period, right? They get they get a power play, and, and nothing happens from that as well. Interference is run on Cogliano by Glendinning. Just this power play after winning the game for them in San Jose just hasn't looked the same. Um, but then the biggie from Gibby again, massive save on Dylan Larkin on a cross ice one timer. I mean, what a stop by John Gibson. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to talk about the power play a bit before we just kind of go into I mean, it was a huge save, but I think it's hard. I mean, Getzlaff drives the power play for this team. Uh, and when you're missing him and you have to change things up and they really loaded power play one in the first few games because they could and they were playing the kids on power play two and I think power play one was playing about a minute 30 if they could and now you take that big piece out of the the power play unit and, and I mean they shot themselves in the foot for the first two in this game by taking penalties but I think that kind of adds into the fact of why it wasn't so good but I mean, on the other end of the ice, you've got John Gibson making saves like this. It was Ekman Larson in Arizona. It's on Larkin in this game. I mean, how much more can he do? I mean, really, we talked about this, I think, in the San Jose series last year in the playoffs where pretty much every goal that ends up getting scored on him seems like he really has no chance because he's left just hung out to dry. Uh, this guy can't play any better than he is right now. Yeah, he's stopping everything that he shouldn't be stopping so i mean he's he's done more than his fair share in these first few games which is why he keeps coming up on those leaderboards for you know top three stars of the game uh this guy is is that next generation of goalies that's going to come in and uh, i feel that maybe him you know signing that extension to eight years hey you're definitely the guy and we're committed to you for a long time after this you know really kind of just settles him down but he's always been an even keel guy and it's just year after year that save percentage keeps going up he looks stronger more confident in everything that he does his timing his focus his his ability to read plays and that's one thing with goalies and it's tough. That's why it's really tough to have a really young goalie and for them to just out of the box be amazing because once you get to this level, it becomes experience and seeing certain plays and reacting in certain ways and muscle memory and that sort of deal. He has started to get that down. He's got enough games under his belt and uh, all the confidence in the world and really all the abilities. He's got a different skill set than most goalies he can do desperation saves he can time the cross ice he's great when he's shorthanded just he's got a lot of that skill in there and that's why it's so much fun to watch and why the ducks are so so lucky to have him for nine years jesus yep. christ that's a you long like, term for a goal you sound upset about that for nine yeah, years that's, again, a, that's we... a long that's a long contract man it makes me nervous i love gibby that makes me nervous a little bit <laughs> let's yeah, flip the script here and talk about the ducks driving the other way lundestrom driving play as your boy eddie causing havoc down low for the ducks with all the pressure in the world results in finally a goal hampus lindholm keeps the puck in walks to the dot rips it far side top corner I think it hit off a wings player's leg or maybe tipped off a blade of the stick. I don't care. It's 1-1 Anaheim is tying the game up now. I just want to give him credit for just sniping a top corner. That's what I, that's what I hope happened. I mean, this is the, the Hampus Linton we want to see. The, the fact that he was underrated last year and he scored 13 goals, he's got a great shot. I mean, I didn't see it hit anything. If it did, either way, I think it was labeled for the back of the net. 
Um, this is a great play by him. He makes Mantha whiff at the blue line by just basically standing still. Mantha pinched a little bit out, and Lindholm just kind of hugged the boards, walked in, and just ripped it top corner. Great play by him. And, and really, after this goal, the Ducks kind of just started playing a lot better. I don't know if it was the fact that Detroit got tired or the fact that the Ducks finally said, okay, you know, we're finally getting our way in this game, and, and things kind of turned around. Yeah, so that uh, Lindholm, uh, you know, holding that line was great. Showed a lot of patience, which he's done from time to time. Uh, you know, has gotten better and better at uh, getting it done. But in addition to that, not only to get past that first one, he, he came in and he could have tried to fire, but he made another little move that created just a little bit more hesitation on the Detroit defenseman, a little bit more of a screen. And there was one angle where I could see they did it slow-mo from kind of behind, like where Howard is. And that puck just starts to go and then glances. I can see the sock uh, move on the defenseman in front of him. And that kind of caused it to ricochet up a little bit. Still a good shot, hard shot, but it was going to be hard for Howard to really have it. Uh, But the fact that it kind of got deflected up and Howard is such a quintessential butterfly goalie that he is always down and his gloves are even down a lot of the times this one was just really fortunate that i uh, got that little bit of a glance and was able to kind of go up high but uh, this whole play was pretty much started on three different moves by uh, lynn Holm. one where he didn't do anything and the other one where he just hesitated and then waited for traffic and then released a really great shot He's really good at that. He's really good at, is, at not making that panic move, just like waiting to see what the other player is going to do before he decides what he's going to do. So kudos to him on uh, on that patience there and then able to, able to uh, pick the shot where he did. But uh, the Ducks would have to hold on tight because they wouldn't stop giving up breakaways just yet. Uh, they give up yet. I mean, this is more of a partial break, I guess, because Vanek couldn't really catch him to the puck. He and Gibby kind of meet at the exact same time and poke check at the puck of the, uh, you know together. And uh, Gibby makes a makes the save there, but the do- the Ducks just keep looking sloppy again. Lots of turnovers and missed zone coverage, um, but then the Ducks are able to rip one off the post, and that was Sam Steele going backhand there. Or no, no, it was not Sam Steele. Excuse me, that was a slap shot. I looked too far ahead. Slap shot from uh, Marcus <laughs> Pedersen from the point, deflecting off of Jakob Silverberg's skate, and the Ducks almost take the lead there. Um, looks like the Ducks were trying to get the pressure on there, and it just. This this next part is just the the kind of thing that happens to us. We always feel like as Ducks fans, we get the wind sucked out of us. Helm scores a goal on a chop shot from the slot after the Ducks had pressure in the other end of the ice. Uh, the first shot missed. They would think it was blocked. Then he gets another chance to shoot the puck. And I didn't even notice this, but Brian Hayward, you know, calls the replay back and says, "Look at Glenn Denning. He, cl- he clips Gibby's stick." moves it out of the way and it goes five hole. Say what you will, whether it was done on purpose or not. No one reviewed it and Gibby didn't care. So I guess it is what it is. All of a sudden it's two, one Detroit. The reading of that, uh, of those highlights is like a mirror image of the ducks play in this period. <laughs> the, the, you said they, they score and then they start playing better and then they look sloppy and then they hit the post and then Darren Helm scores and then Detroit's leading two one. Um, I, I mean, it was, that was just how that period was going. And this is just typical. I, I mean, I, whether it is John Gibson being left hung out to dry or it's a goal like this, these seem to be the only ones going in the back of the net behind Gibby this season. I, again, not much he can do. I, I mean, the helm shot is blocked, and, and then he just chops one through. I, I mean, maybe Gibby isn't ready for it because he's probably reacting to the what would have been a sa- or the first save if helm shot goes through, uh, and then it just slips five hole on him. And, and I mean, yeah, it does look a bit 
like Glenn Denning pulls his stick away. Um, I think he got clipped with a high stick the way he was reacting. So uh, maybe they, the coaches looked at it and said uh, that most likely it wouldn't have been called back for goaltender interference if Glenn Denning was reacting to something else and kind of skated through the crease un- unwillingly knocking Gibson's stick out of his hand. I don't think it would have been overturned. But, I mean, at this point, you got to say it may be worth a challenge. Yeah, I I would uh, you know disagree just a little bit. I I would think that that's a prime thing to kind of get overturned. Uh, Gibson, he has a tendency sometimes, especially when plays break down. If it, he does, loses where that goal stick is, uh, a goalie's supposed to have that covering the five hole when they drop and the butterfly. Uh, when plays break down. Uh, Gibby's more of a, all right, where's the puck? And I'm going to use my athleticism and the technique tends to go away. So I think he was more like, oh, that was probably just on my side. And I didn't realize that that's where my stick was. Uh, But the fact that his stick had been in the middle before Glenn Denny had actually kind of moved it with his own skate, whether it was an accident or intentional or not, it did take away the ability for him to put a piece of equipment right where it's supposed to be to make a save. It could have gone either way, uh, I guess, but I thought they had a real good chance to probably challenge that. And it would have made sense to at least try because even if they don't, it's a timeout. It slows down momentum a little bit for Detroit, try and regather, you know, the troops a little bit, you know, try and, finish out that period a little bit stronger so i was i was kind of puzzled why they didn't at least give it a shot because if there's one time to do it i thought that was a pretty good time to do it try and take away that goal if it was possible but uh, there wasn't too much you know gibby could do it was a broken play a chop you, if he had the stick there he, he probably makes that save but there's no guarantee he probably would have had it there because like i said when it when it breaks down he, he tends to kind of he goes rogue and he just kind of goes off the instinct and, and what's gonna happen or, or what he sees happening in front of him so the ducks are going down at the end of the second period two to one pretty much how it would end up there uh shots now 16 to 14 in favor of the red wings the ducks look better this period but uh, just still too many mistakes too many turnovers um, let's get this third period underway because it wasn't very inspiring to start like right away. I figured they'd come out blasting like they did in the second period. Not just yet, but they would end up coming back. Sam Steele. Here's my post. I talked about a little too early with a huge okay. chance driving the net um, hits the inside of the post on Howard. It wasn't going top corner, but it was going high enough. Just misses. And what the hell happens next? Ducks goal. Jakob Silverberg with a goal. Henry comes in and drives the net, gets stuffed by Howard. Silverberg uh, crashes and cashes in on a rebound. It's 2-2. And then since we didn't decide to do the challenge, Detroit decided (laughs) to do the dumbest thing possible and try to challenge this, thinking that Henry can interfere with Jimmy Howard. Uh, The call stands. Good goal. Did you guys have a problem with I didn't, I didn't honestly didn't no. think that was even close to being goaltender interference. I, I feel like it's a little bit desperate at that point. I, I mean, it's the third period. You might as well just go for it and see if it happens. I I, I don't know. I honestly don't know why. I, I mean, Henrik has control of the puck the entire way, crashing the net, uh, and he gets right out of there. And then Silverberg comes in and, and just pots the rebound over. I mean, I know Jimmy Howard is basically sprawled over the ice at that point, but I don't see where they got the call to try and, and over uh, and basically try and challenge that at all. I don't really see what the, the call is there from the coaching staff. Uh, obviously, it doesn't get overturned, and it's a good goal is what we kind of expected. But 
what a start to the season for Jakob Silverberg. I mean, yeah, three assist game in, in game one, an assist in game two, and now a goal here in game three. He's up to five points so far. This is what we need from this guy. I mean, especially with everybody out. Normally, he's a secondary scoring guy. Now he's leading the way. It was kind of funny, like when that goal started, uh, went in. Howard already seemed to have his his blocker up, as in uh, what the f. Um, hello, uh, I was interfered with. Like he was already raising it before the puck maybe even crossed the line. Uh, I think the the only thing that they were maybe saying is that as Henry kind of went through, he ended up taking the stick away. Uh, but y- you lose all ability to overturn that because the very first shot, the rebound shot by Silverberg, Howard actually stopped with his leg. So once that stop's made, it doesn't matter what happened before that. That shot is saved. There is no review for that because it didn't go in now the rebound pops up and hits silverberg it's in somewhere in the chest and goes in at that point there's there's no interference there's there's nothing to challenge so the fact that he even challenged it which is why it was so very very quickly reviewed and dismissed and held up as a good goal so i'm i'm puzzled as to why they tried to do it either because uh, after that initial rebound save they've got no chance to overturn it he made the save already Kudos to the league, though they didn't take 15 minutes and and like <laughs> and like 14 commercial breaks and 19 different review angles to see if anyone clipped anybody. The league told them to speed it up. Don't try to turn over a goal. Just look right away and and if you see interference, call interference. If you don't see interference, leave it alone. I smell you know another why, red right? coming on. I smell another red coming on for the next <laughs> show. You know why, though, they're so much quicker at it now. They actually have actual iPads. They don't have those iPad minis they were trying to do for like two seasons. And they're all trying to look at the tiniest screen in the world and trying to determine if maybe there was a clip or on the goalie or something like that or a fraction of uh, offsides. I will rant on the zebras, definitely. You guys want to put together something there. I have no problem trashing them. Um, Going on in this third period. Wings get lots of pressure back now, but then the Ducks come right back. They're doing everything to keep this game as even as they can because, I mean, Lord knows you go down one in the third period. The Ducks are not the comeback kids of old. Um, I felt like this you know, this game all of a sudden turned into um, basically just a gong show back and forth. Uh, at, no one's playing defense, it felt like. It felt like everyone had chances either way. Wings started buzzing big time down low. Who the hell ran over Montour behind the net? Did you guys see that where he just got like one arm shoved into the back of Gibby's net and he rolled off the net and getting got up all slow? I can't remember like if that was Glenn Denning or if it him. was um, a I, I don't know. I wouldn't I, be surprised if it was Michael Rasmussen because that guy's like 6'6". Six, six. Oh, he's a he, big kid. He got tossed. It was, it was, it was funny. <laughs> it's it looks like, so easy. My way. so gibby's making all these saves all night and uh so why not let jimmy howard get involved cogs to troy terry the bank pass off the side of the net Mm -hmm. and how do you do left-handed larceny right except uh terry shot it right into his glove but then howard had to pull the old patty wall and stand up and show everybody he caught it right he not as not as bad as a statue Mm -hmm. of liberty wall used to do but he definitely was (laughs) like look what i got look what i got look what i got Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel bad a little bit for Terry because, I mean, um, you know, just uh, I think because uh, th- there were a couple of them where Howard was making those glove saves. And uh, I think he had one in the first two where he's holding it up high just so everyone can see and let let him uh, let everyone know, hey, I'm here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good stop uh, that the Ducks were doing really, really well after that goal. They seem to get that momentum. They got a jump in their step. Once again, you don't know if it's more of them getting the jump 
uh, and feeding off the crowd, the energy and the momentum, or if it was maybe Detroit, you know, they, they're the last half of their sixth period and, you know, 24 hour per- time period. So, you know, it, it could have gone either way, but uh, it was definitely fun to watch after that Silverberg goal. Yeah, that was something that you would you would say, though, Jay, right, that I mean, he shot it directly into his goal. It's a positional save. It wasn't like he was waving at the puck and caught it. So I always love that everyone freaks out about those glove saves. But it's <laughs> it's more or less like, thank you very much, shooter, for not picking your shot because I, w- I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, that's one of the things us goalies do. It's called wind, windmill Wednesday, and you're supposed to post your big old windmill saves. <laughs> and most of them usually start as it was shot in the glove, but then you just make your glove bigger. <laughs> so you just windmill it out there and make it look a, a lot bigger than it actually was. But, uh, you know, it, it, give us a break. You know, when we catch them and they're big saves, we're, we're going to celebrate them. I mean, the timing was definitely big, but the save was kind of like, damn it, if Terry just lifted it, it was in. There was no chance Jimmy yeah, had that. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough for him to too because he's 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 coming close, I think, to getting a goal. Troy Terry is, and he's not really known for goal scoring. He's more of a playmaker, and uh, he, he's done well on that side of the puck. But this was a great chance for him, and, and I feel like it's just a little bit of inexperience. Uh, he wasn't tight. It is hard to lift it up when you're you're in that close to the goaltender. But I, I think he's due for one now because we kind of criticized him. I think last game saying we really have game tonight. Yeah, and he didn't play with Getzlaff, which is something that yeah. we didn't really expect. We criticized him for the fact that he was playing with Getzlaff and not really getting that many opportunities. And he really turned it on in the third period and in overtime and had a couple good chances. And now. Like you wrote down, Eddie. I know that we were talking a little bit about Lundestro. I know you really are high on this kid. How do you how do you feel about uh, RC putting him out with three minutes remaining? Was that is that something that surprised you? He didn't pull out some uh, some old veteran. Not that there's too many left on this team. I, I think it's surprising, maybe in the fact that it's Randy Carlisle doing it. But when you look at really who who he has to throw over the boards at this point with three minutes remaining, there's not a lot of options. So the fact that the, the way Lindishman had played throughout the entire game, I think he proved to the coaching staff and he proved at least to a lot of fans watching the game as well that uh, he really has a solid two-way game that's translated well to the NHL. And I, I, I think that really is one of the reasons why he was thrown out there. I think he got some PK time as well. Um, I'm really impressed, honestly. I, I don't want to say I'm surprised because we saw it a lot in preseason. We, we've seen it all last year before he got drafted, just the poise he has and the responsibility he shows in his own end. And I think it's great for him. I mean, he had a great debut. Um, he had a, a lot of good offensive chances. A couple times he got robbed. But I, I like the fact that the coaching staff is trusting him in his NHL debut to throw him out there with three minutes remaining. Whether they do that or even sticks around when everybody's healthy, we'll have to see. But I think it's a good start for him. I'm just going to yeah. say that the reason why he had such a good game is because he was on our show in the summertime and he was just really hoping to give us something he's to talk about. He's trying to impress us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's listening right now. Totally, he's in the locker yeah, room yeah. playing it for the boys. I'm yeah, sure yeah. it's what's happening. Listen to these guys, you got to check them out. <laughs> All right, so the end of the third period ends at a tie, 3-3, three to three, and now we get to get to the craziest part of the game was overtime. Um, the nerve-wracking time of the game if you're a Ducks fan in recent history because, my God, they... They just figured it out last year, but with no um, like of the the staples on this team, it was kind of you know made me nervous. Like who's going to be running this show? But uh, Henrik Fowler and Lindholm to start. Ducks with a huge rush. Wings prevent it. It goes back the other way, but the wings flub on the pass. Um, I thought it was Raquel was out there starting. Raquel was it Raquel? And- I thought it was yeah. Henrik Fowler and Lindholm. Maybe I'm wrong there. 
No, I think Raquel. Yeah, they were out there for almost like a solid minute. The first minute of the makes uh, sense. Overtime. I'm an idiot for thinking there was two defensemen on the ice in overtime. You dummy. <laughs> Either way, this goes back and forth. The biggest chance, though, uh, goes to Lundestrom. He just gets absolutely robbed by Jimmy Howard in overtime there. What do you guys think of that play? God, that would have been nice if he had scored, right? I mean, yeah. first game and just he wins it in overtime like that. You know, uh, kudos to Howard. He really kind of got over, you know, stu- he stuck with it and, you know, got got the arm up quick, you know, in a good enough position. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if Lundy had just kind of held on to it just a little bit longer, maybe fired it up a little bit higher, he, he has that goal. But, you know, it's a quick, quick play, and he just wanted to try and, you know, he, he didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> he just wanted to try and get it in there on, on a good opportunity. But this is kind of what, what Howard can do sometimes is he can just pull saves out of nowhere, and uh, he was really patient uh, on that shot and was able to kind of stick with it and, and, you know, just got enough of it. Yeah, and well, I, I think right, what's interesting was the kids were out there a lot, right? I mean, again, we talk about they don't really have any options to go out in, in OT, but I think they look great. Like, Lindstrom with that chance, Terry was the one who set him up. And, and Sam Steele, honestly, I think it's like the perfect player for 3v3. He just is such a smart player on the ice. His hockey IQ is off the charts. And, and then he has this skill to effectively use that space and, and kind of break the game open, especially when he's given the chance to. And, and he had a couple chances in, in OT where not only did he set up some players, he had a couple good chances, but he really showed some patience and just not taking the shot or not making the, the difficult pass, you know, circling back to the blue line, making the pass out of the zone, keeping possession. And you know, that's something the Ducks had struggled for so long to really implement in their entire game and over time. And he seems to have just easily moved into that position and got it right away so like i think the biggest play that happened at the end of this overtime period is lindholm has a two-on-one with come to and is denied and then lindholm gets back with a huge back check right to break up the play with detroit those are the two biggest plays that i could think of that were remaining here in ot finish overtime and uh, we're still tied obviously go to the shootout um this is where the goalies get to shine right raquel denied vanek denied and then guess who scores? Mr. Shootout himself, Troy Terry, makes a snipe on Jimmy Howard. Five ball. I think five he had him looking. Yeah, He's, he just yeah. a beautiful shot. I don't think Howard was even expecting the five-hole shot the way he moved there. I think he was expecting it to go glove, and by the time he reacted, it was too late. I think that shot was so damn quick that even yeah. and so deceptive that uh, Howard didn't really respond to it because Howard, like I said, I mean, he's he is full butterfly. He commits to that almost on every single shot. And so he's quick at it for the most part. And I think it surprised him. And there wasn't a lot of room. He just found the right spot and got it there quick. And uh, kudos. It's a great, great shot. It, not a whole lot that a goalie's going to do if they can't read it. Uh, quick enough off of a shot like that. So that w- would uh, extend the shootout rate, or not extend, that would basically seal it for the Ducks. They didn't have to score again as long as Gibby stood tall, and he did. Nielsen would, uh, I mean, just completely flub it and thank God they didn't, they didn't have him mic'd because I think he said yeah. a few expletives. He blamed yeah, the uh, octopus juice on the ice or something. <laughs> you can't say that on the on the podcast. Somebody threw an octopus <laughs> on the ice, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, what was yeah that? right before Raquel. Uh, yeah, oh, the first Jesus, there was something. I totally there. forgot to mention that. Well, Nielsen yeah. blamed it on that, too, because he went and complained to the ref, and then the ref had to come out and clean something off the ice. So, I mean, 
I don't think he looked like he just lost the puck. It doesn't look the like the puck was down flat until he got to the crease, yeah. and then all of a sudden he went flying into the corner. I was like, "What the hell did he do?" Yeah, he bobbled it at the beginning, but he didn't got it back under control. I don't know if it just messed with his mind or whatever. But just yeah, I mean, yeah, it was flat. Juice. <laughs> yeah, he, he he tried. He just he just ended up like pushing it away from himself. So that's on him. He sucks. And then Steele gets his chance to go. He gets stopped. Nyquist goes. And, man, just all calm under pressure was John Gibson. He looked like he had nothing to do and just kind of just tapped the shot away from Nyquist. That sealed the deal. That sealed the Ducks win. The only team in the NHL that's 3-0-0, guys, as they wrap up the wings with a 3-2 victory tonight. Um, I don't know how excited we should be on this just because the quality of competition minus the Sharks hasn't been I guess, to what uh, all the pundit standards are. But I'm going to take it. These freebie points with um, all of our top guys, quote-unquote, out of the lineup um, are just everything we need right now. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. Really. <laughs> take I mean, them where I, you can get them. Yeah, you don't expect to – I don't think any of us expect it to be 3-0 and to start the season, especially when you start against the San Jose Sharks. Maybe Arizona and, and again, the game today you would expect to be wins. They weren't all pretty. I don't think any of them were pretty. This one was probably the best game out of the three. Um, you should have won this game. They'd left it a little bit late, won it in the shootout. But, I mean, in the end, you've got three points to start the season with three wins, and you don't even have Getzla, Perry, Kessler, or Eves, or Andre Kasha in your lineup. So, I mean, at, but at the end of the season, I know it's early when you're only three games in, but you're going to look back on these games and, and look at who is missing in the lineup and, and think of how important these games were so early on to get two points. Hey man, and also the, the you know, they've only given up four goals in three games. That's that's got to be looking pretty good for the Ducks, and unless you look at the stats and you realize it's all John Gibson, yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. much, yeah. But but they also too too those wins coming against Pacific Division teams. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, those are essentially four point games for us that help us now. And uh, if it's anything like Ducks in the past, we'll we'll finish strong too. But it's nice to have this little cushion uh, at the beginning. All right, let's hop into the chat, guys. we got some people in here asking questions, and I don't want to leave them hanging. Um, let's start with, I think Chase asked, asked one nice and early. Uh, he was saying when all the big boys come back from injury, with uh, which rookie or rookies have the best chance to stay? Can you make a case for Lundestrom? Uh, Eddie, I'll let you take that since he's your boy. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're thinking of when everybody comes back, I, I think you have to exclude Perry because we know he's going to be coming back in the new year. Um, so maybe everybody who could be possibly coming back within the next month um, with Getzlaff, uh, Getzlaff, Eve, Kessler, and Kasha. It's tough, honestly, because the, the, a lot of roster spots are going to fill up fast, and the two guys in Comtois and Lindstrom uh, are guys that you can't easily keep around because for Comtois, the only options he has are to stay with the Ducks or go back to the QMJHL, and then at that point, you can't call him back up. I mean, there's some difficult things you want to get if you want to get into emergency call-ups, but Basically, if he gets sent down, he can't get called up. And then Lindstrom has already said that he would like to go back to Sweden if he doesn't stay with the team instead of going down to San Diego, even though he has the option, which wouldn't allow the Ducks to call him back up either. So I think they're honestly the two most impressive players so far. Sam Steele, because he's played more games, I think I tend to put him in front of Lindstrom because Lindstrom only made his debut tonight, but he was extremely impressive. I, they're making a case for it, honestly. And even Troy Terry played a better game tonight as well. 
So they're, they're making a good case to stay in the lineup once all these guys come back. But, I mean, Getzlaff is your top six forward. Cash is a top six forward. Eves, if he's likely going to play with Getzlaff, is a top, top six forward. And if you still consider Kessler your second-line center, then he's a top six forward. So then where does it leave room for these guys to play? Um, you know, Street would likely come out of the lineup, even though that fourth line has looked good. But then who else? I mean, who else do you make room for with these guys coming back? And some of the kids would have to get sent down. So as much as I like them, I think the two easy options to, to send back are Comtois and Lindstrom. So just real quick to answer the question inside our chat, Babe Bolts asked, speaking of Kasha, do we have any updates on him? Uh, Eric Stevens tweeted out just a few minutes ago saying uh, RC had no new update on Getzloff and said none of the other injured are particularly close to playing. That is not good news because we're going to hit game nine here in about a week and a half. About was that like almost almost exactly 14 days. So that's not good for the Ducks if they have to start moving people around and be able to slot people in to take over these kids spots because. Uh, we all know they're probably going to send down the guys who only who can only play nine before they burn a year off their contract. Yeah. Uh, Jay, I'll let you take this one here. Uh, Baybolts had another question. Instead of all the rookies, who was impressing you guys the most? If it is, in fact, Comtois, do you think he lasts past the nine games or gets sent back to the queue? Yeah, I would probably say he's the most impressive. I was kind of waiting for, you know, Terry and uh, Sam Steele to kind of put, put up the the numbers they've they've looked good they've had their mistakes uh Comtois had his mistakes too but he's put in the puck and he he looks good and natural in that state and he's he's not doing it on the you know the top line or anything like that so I've been impressed with him the most out of pretty much all the rookies uh yeah it's going to be difficult I don't think they want to burn his first year and I think he's more than likely going to go down unless he's unless I would say if he scores like two more goals or, you know, lights up as far as assists go and is really kind of a, a, a good cog in the offense moving forward, then they might just have to bite the bullet on the first year and keep him up. I mean, it's, it's kind of up to him if he is going to stay there or not. The ducks probably don't want to burn that. They just want to try and get until we get guys back, but it just depends on how long those injuries are and how well he's playing, but he's making a real strong case at this point over the other guys who still haven't found their first goal yet. Yeah, no, I would say the same thing. I, I think Comtois was really impressive. He actually wasn't as noticeable for me tonight as he was in the past two games, which is just going to happen. It's you know no fault of his own. Just not everyone can be the star every game. Um, I think tonight I really like the look of Sam Steele. Uh, but, but in particular, I thought that um, that Lundestrup played a really strong game, but I don't think he's going to stay up whatsoever. I mean, being 18 years old and just eligible to uh, to go back to his club, I don't I don't see him staying. Yeah, and the quality of competition that he gets to go back to, it's not like it's a step down uh, like it is with Comtois. I mean, he's going back to arguably the second best league in the world in, in the Swedish Hockey League. So, I think that's an easy one. Again, like you said, being 18-2 makes it easy to send him back. I mean, he played a great game in this one, only played 11 minutes, but made an impact whenever he was on the ice. But when you look at the guys who are likely to get sent back, you would normally send back the guys you just drafted. And if the fact you can go back and play in a similar league against men, uh, it's an easy decision for me. Comtois, again, I think that's the hardest decision for them. I mean, with Steele and Terry, you can send them down to San Diego, and at least it's not that bad. You can call them up whenever you want. 
Comtois is such a tough decision because he he probably has been the most impressive rookie. He is, you know, he, he even though he wasn't great in this game, he still got on the score sheet, picked up a secondary assist, so he's got three points in three games. Uh, it, it's such a tough decision because you know you can't call him back up, but what does he really have to gain from going back down to the QMJHL? You're just going to send him back down there to a good team in Drummondville to basically put up 50 goals, 100 points, and just dominate. Uh, how much does he really learn from being down there than from being up with uh, with the Ducks and just playing you know, 70 to 80 games? Uh, I think he learns more that way. But really, the Ducks haven't been a team in the past to keep a guy past that nine-game limit if they don't have to. So Gordon Bombay asked in the chat, uh, you guys think we can keep winning without like four of our top six? Um, my answer is no. I don't think nope. this is going to last for too much longer. Um, I saw a stat on Twitter saying the Ducks have never gone 4-0. So maybe the telltale signs they lose on Wednesday or they or they break their their record for the first time in 25 years, they go 4-0. Um, in fact, they haven't gone 3-0 since they won the Cup in 6 7 So I don't think this is a Stanley Cup team. So I would expect there to be some regression and uh, expect uh, John Gibson to uh, start being a little more leaky if he keeps seeing all these all these uh, chances and shots against. Ye of little faith, you don't see them winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, that's actually a rational thought. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I, you can't sustain it. I mean, uh, the, the fact we've gotten three, we're going to count that a blessing given to us by uh, the savior in net, and that's John Gibson. Uh, but ultimately, if he starts facing a lot of shots, what can start to happen is he starts to uh, anticipate breakdowns. And you don't want your goalie anticipating breakdowns because then they start missing the easy ones and the ones that they should be having because they're too worried about what the guy over over there is going to do who doesn't have the puck. Gibson's really strong. He's already in midseason form, which is an awesome place to be already. Uh, but I mean, you can't keep throwing out, you know, one nothing wins, you know, three two. You just you're gonna have to give them a little bit of a breather and a break. Um, and the, how badly they've been outplayed for so long, they're just they're borrowing luck at this point. Yeah, and All I right. think the game on Wednesday is gonna be a real testing point for them. Probably the real test of the season, even though it's against Arizona. Um, you look at the first two games I've already mentioned; they got severely outplayed but scraped away with wins and. Yeah, they look better in this game. They only allowed 21 shots against from Detroit. But Detroit also played in L.A. the night before. This is the first game where I think Arizona hasn't played since they played the Ducks the last game. Um, So they're going to have a ton of rest, and they're going to be going in against a team. If if you play as bad as you did last time you played Arizona, then we can pretty much assume nothing has changed. But if they come into this game, make up for the mistakes they made in the last time they faced them, and look a lot better... I think we can kind of see that maybe things are going back uh, in the right direction, that things are starting to gel, because there has been a lot of turnover in this team. So if if the new pairings, if they are still together, can start to get a little bit more familiar, and if the guys up front, especially the young rookies, can get used to playing with some of the other guys, I think we could see it go in the, in the right direction. Yeah, right, that is... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, man. I was going to say that Arizona game is going to be intense. A, Arizona has been sitting on being shut out, uh, but they haven't scored a single goal this season. They're 0-2. So um, they are a team that is desperate, A, to score a goal, and B, to get a win, because this is supposed to be a season where they really kind of took a step up from last year. And they're, they're going to be very, very hungry to get goals. So you might see a very desperate Arizona team. That means more crashing the net, more 
you know, people in front of Gibson and whatever it is, but it, it's going to be really tough if the Ducks can't clean up their game. All right, let's get the Twitter question. Uh, Chase says, should we even expect a defense pairing change, win or lose? He said this probably before the game started. So let's just uh, take a look at how these last three games had went and let's predict going to Arizona. There's no way in hell RC changes the defensive pairings going to Arizona. They just won a game, and this defense probably looked the best it has in three games, but it was still average at best. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It obviously was better, but again, it, they got better in the late second and third period where likely Detroit was getting a little bit more tired after playing their fifth and sixth period in 24 hours, as Jason mentioned earlier. So how much of that is them actually playing better? How much is that just them getting a little bit more space because they're not getting pressured as much by the Detroit forwards? Again, I think that's why the the game on Wednesday against Arizona is such a, a big test if these pairings are, are going to be stuck together again. If they get completely outmatched like they did in the last game against Arizona, you can't go into the game on Saturday and have them together. I mean, we expected them to be split up in this game. But, of course, they, they looked at the fact, I think, that they had two wins in the first two games and kept them together and tried to keep things going. But I still, as, as much, I mean, even though the Ducks are 3-0, and I still want to see Lindholm back with Manson, Fowler back with Montour, and at least see if that makes things better. Uh, I doubt we'll see it. Honestly, I expect everything to be pretty much the same on Wednesday unless somebody comes back and is, is healthy and can get into the lineup, I, I would think things are pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, until they start losing or they start losing big or they start giving up a ton of goals, then I, I don't see Carlisle changing uh, the setup he has. He's trying to make this work, and he's going to give it a few games to make it happen. Okay. Did we lose uh, Pat? <laughs> uh, we might have, so I'll move on. I don't on. think you lost me. No, I'm here. Sorry. No, oh, I'm saying okay. McCain. Um, McCain basically, he, or yeah, he sent in a question on on uh, Instagram. Says Shin or Schuster, and of course I'll say Shin because I would be correct. He did play in the game. Um, I think we should have got back till before the end of the show. Uh, but Stone Man eighty six said, "Did the warm up sweaters look better than the game sweaters?" Yep. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> so let's get to. Part of the the part of the issue I had before the show started was Bettman, uh, or the league. I shouldn't say Bettman. I, I immediately I want to trash the Penguin, yep. but yep. Uh, the league denied the Ducks from wearing their original threads during the game. The Ducks asked. League said no. So then uh, we go into warm up, and they're able to wear them there, and then we get to see the new third jerseys. I gotta say, guys, as much as I was kind of meh about the third jersey. I'm buying one of those damn things. They looked really good. It looked really clean with all of the uh, the gear on. It, it fit perfectly. Gibby looked outstanding with his uh, the color coordination that he had going on with his pads and everything too. I thought they were outstanding. I think they're better than the than the original duck jersey myself. Ooh, that's Ooh. a hot take for sure. I don't know about that. I I like them. I like them when they came out. I like them more than now. I've seen them and, and I've seen them on the ice, but they're still not my favorite third jersey around the league I, I you know it would the ducks played arizona last game i really like their uh, kachina jerseys i like carolina's too i i mean if they're not my favorite you third don't like jersey, carolina's third jersey get out of here that i like the color but the logo the like logo a pair is of boxers on a flag okay, listen, the, yeah. the logo yeah the logo's dumb but the, the color the black and red just looks really cool on the ice but i mean if i if i can't comfortably say that the ducks third jersey is my favorite third jersey i don't know how i can say it's better than the original jerseys I think just the color scheme, 
the gray with the, the uh, eggplant and the teal and the white on the jerseys that they wore in warm-up. I think those are just, I think you can't beat them, honestly. That's why they're all, always rated near the top in, in all-time jerseys. They're just... No, that's not just, why. <laughs> they're just unbeatable. Grew up watching freaking uh mighty ducks My movies ducks. and they fell in love with hockey that way that's all it is oh you don't you see the me? you don't see the d or what you know the uh the weird cartoon duck like yellow purple green jerseys get near the top of, of all-time jerseys that they <laughs> those are garbage the they should never be anywhere allowed around the franchise again exactly uh, I like but they're part of the movie and you don't this. see them up there I, I don't know i i i don't know how you can sit here and say you like the third jerseys better than their old jerseys I do. You know, They're 100 percent better. I, I would gladly put. I'd rather put like a. I would rather put Solani on that jersey than the original threads. Mm. Uh, you know what pisses me off? How come Arizona can do their little uh, weird Phoenix thing, Coyote half hockey zombie dude uh, from their original when they first moved out there, and we can't do ours? Well, that's their third jersey, isn't it? Yeah, that's their third, not their original home. Yeah. Like that's their third jersey for this entire season, just like the Ducks are third jersey what they wore tonight. But isn't that the exact same one that they wore when they first came over from Winnipeg? They wore that for the first few seasons. They had a oh, away jersey. I think more what you can compare it to this season is I think the fact that uh, Carolina has their third jersey, and then they also have the Hartford Whalers jersey. So they have four jerseys this year that they get to use. And I think every other that's team not has, fair. <laughs> every other team has three. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see why it's such an issue. I don't know why the NHL cares. I don't know what yeah. the problem with it is. Maybe they think it's going to affect jersey sales because you can't really directly well, buy all those other jerseys. Why do they care not? about anything that involves like, a team-oriented event? Like, if it's promoting the team, prom- promoting the NHL, promoting jerseys, promoting people to pay attention and want to want to see something, yeah. they should just get out of the way. Maybe like, they just always get in front of themselves, man. And maybe. Maybe. Oh, maybe that's true. It might be that. I want to see Wild Wing coming out of the ice. I want those jerseys. They're never going to bring those back, man. Well, they, have them, they like have them for so uh, warm-up price. price, I think, right? They did it for Solani's uh, retirement game, too. They had that. They had, like, a retro night, too, where they wore them. I think um, they're doing it once this season, too. They I have think a really ugly color scheme in the uh, Maybe, team store. They have, like, a purple-based one in the team Terrible. store, apparently. Yeah, it looks Terrible. Really bad. Awful. <laughs> I saw the pictures online. Everyone's falling head over heels for them. I'm like, oh, just burn them to the ground. I'd never wear that. Nope, um, I love the old ones. Not for me. So Anaheim Ducks fan on Instagram says, will the Ducks be the same without the captain? I think we can all say no. This is not a good look for the Ducks to go any longer than they have to without Ryan Getzloff. Yeah. Yeah. From, from power play, yeah, from power play to, to leadership to con- kind of controlling the play to horrible drop passes. Hey, that's uh, many this... <laughs> years ago now, sir. Many years ago. I've already seen it. He did it a couple times, the, uh, that Arizona game that I saw. But... Um, yeah, it, it, it's he's kind of iconic with the team. He's when he's there, the team plays better. They're more in control, and he just is has that that ability to control play. He's a, a game breaker, and it's like saying, "Well, is the Washington Capitals would they be the same if Ovechkin was injured?" No, they're, they're just not the same team. They're, it's a game breaker, and Getzloff's that for us. He controls the play. Yeah, he slows exactly. the game down for the Ducks, and that's that means everything. I mean. As fast as players go, like Connor McDavid, and he's able to burn everybody with his speed and set people up and create space, Getzloff does the same thing, but in reverse, by being able to slow the game down and make people... He's, he's more cerebral, and he's able to control the game that way. So the Ducks need him back in the lineup. I think that they're infinitely better with him. Just um, a presence out there for the team. 
I mean, yeah. it's not even just, I mean, obviously it's his impact on the ice and what he can do, but just the presence he is out on the ice for this team, whether they're up a, a goal or up two or down two, I, I think it's just important to have him out there. Um, and, and, and we hope it's not long-term. It's weird we haven't heard anything because, honestly, it looked like he just, like, pulled a hamstring. And they call it lower body, and they and they said they weren't going to do that this year, and that they're going to be more open about it. And oh, please! Now we're back to to square one, and now it's just a mysterious lower body injury that we're not going to hear anything about, and we're going to hear about it in like two days, and it's just going to be like a hamstring or something. Uh, I, I don't know what the secrecy is all about. They love it. The Ducks yeah. are just notorious for having everything be a secret all the time, every day, everything. Know what I mean? Mysterious. The NHL is the same way. We're never gonna have a team in Vegas. We're never thinking about putting a team in Seattle. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, we are. Uh, they're yeah. paying us lots of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Uh, you know, with all the revenue we're gonna gain. So yes. Um, Keith Settles asked, "When did Josh Manson forget how to skate?" Ah, man, that's a tough one, dude. That that guy's had a rough three games. I gotta say, Manson. Yeah. I mean, he's eventually going to get his feet under him and learn how to skate again because he knows how to. But these first three games have been brutal to watch him on the ice. Do you think, I think he gets he's it back? played with Lindholm, right? Like maybe. Yeah. I, I think it could be a, a, a portion of that. I, I think he just needs to go out and hit something really, really hard. I think if he starts <laughs> doing that, all of a sudden everything will just kind of fall right back into place. Uh, yeah, it was weird. He, you know, he's blowing tires, you know, left and right uh, this game and, and leading to, you know, some really bad uh, chances. But uh, it it's minor things. Uh, I think that's kind of a tongue in cheek question for sure. But yeah, he doesn't look like he looks like how Pat skates. Oh, um, ex- excellent. Amazing. <laughs> He's, He's just going to go out there and beat somebody's skull and, and then he'll be back to normal. I, I did like so. doing that better. I did like trying to fight and hurt yep, people see, more than I like. You're kind of the same. Fast. You're yeah, the I same like player. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, it's, I mean, luckily I turned down going to the NHL, right? That makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So since we hit up all the questions, we got to talk about our sponsor before we go go uh, to the end of the show here, coolhockey.com. If you're a hockey fan, and obviously you are if you're listening to us, we all are obviously as well. And, of course, we all love our Ducks, so why not go to coolhockey.com, pick up one of the brand-new third jerseys they're putting them out this month. Or if you want to buy one for a friend, you can do that as well. And if you're going to do it, you might as well use our promo code FM20. Get you 20% off your next jersey purchase. So whether you're buying one for yourself, your loved one, a friend, anybody, just go ahead and use that promo code and get yourself 20% off your next jersey at coolhockey.com. We love them for many reasons, not just because they give discounts on jerseys, but because they sponsor our Forever Mighty three-star leaderboard, which if you guys are listening to the show and you're not a part of already, you're crazy because all you have to do is answer three questions a night and hope you get them right. Um, you're not always going to win, clearly. There's one winner a month, but why not play for a free jersey? They're hooking up everybody who listens um, with the opportunity to win one jersey a month, and so we thank them for that. So head to coolhockey.com and uh, order away. FM20 is the promo code to get 20% off. Why not? Um, Might as well get yeah. going on it. I mean, the, they're, we're, like, like Pat said, the FM3 Stars is going to be around for the entire season. It'll be once a month. Um, and, and the sooner you get involved in it, the better. Because if you get in halfway through the the month, then you're you know you're three or four or five six games behind the people in front of you. So the more you enter, uh, the the more chances you have to win. Uh, and, and really, at any time you can come back. I mean, it, it's three predictions a night. You get one point for each correct answer. Um, usually, the scores are pretty close within a couple points by the, at the end of the month. So all it takes is just a really good lucky night from you, and you get three points, and you're right into the mix. Christmas is starting to write itself, people. 
That's right. <laughs> Even if it's twenty, if it's not twenty percent off, then hey, man, you might get a free one with Forever Mighty's uh, three stars. So get on that mm-hmm. and uh, join the fun. Uh, speaking of fun, we got to talk about a couple of things here for all of our listeners uh, and supporters. Patreon, we've gotten just a great response. I think we're up to sixteen patrons that have been donating to the show, and uh, we can't wait to get back to you guys. We just put up our first bonus show where these guys tried to piss me off uh, this last <laughs> weekend with our rant show, and they did a great job. So yep. if you want to hear me flip out about some cool hockey topics, go ahead and sign up there. Um, it's only for the tier, mid-level tiers and up, but you're, uh, we're, we're more than happy to, uh, to appreciate everybody who signs up. In fact, we have a couple of shout-outs we have to give out here. Eddie, do you have the, uh, the new signees for Patreon? Yeah, so we had Jacob and Steven Toff, who are actually in uh, our Fantasy Hockey League. Actually, I think all three of these guys are in the fantasy uh, hockey league this year for forever mighty and puck guys so so yeah it was uh steven and jacob toff and brett zerbrig uh thanks for them for for being patrons like you said we're up to 16 so the, the support so far has been great there's great things at each tier it goes from one to three to five and ten the bonus shows are in the five and ten dollar tiers but we even have some great things for you in the one and three dollar tiers as well so, yeah, and speaking of, I mean, just giveaways and things we're doing, uh, we're having a watch party coming up. Um, if you guys are listening here and want to join us in the Orange County area, we have a big watch party. We're trying to get everyone together. Even Eddie's flying his uh, cold Canadian ass out mm. from Toronto area uh, to Southern California. We're going to go to Lamppost in Yorba Linda. Um, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be the Ducks versus the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's the day before the Paul Career retirement uh, game. So join us there. We're going to have giveaways there. We have uh, Ryan Kessler in his third jersey, bobblehead, autographed by him. Um, there's also an opportunity for the raffle for you to win. Uh, we pay your bill up to 100 bucks. We think that'd be cool if you guys come out and drink beers and why not have a good time. Maybe it'll be free on us. And then uh, we're also going to have some Ducks tickets for a game in the future for you to have a chance to win. So come join the fun with us there. It's at Lampost Pizza. All the details are on our social media pages, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find out more there. But uh, it's going to be a good time. It's only in uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend. So we're really looking forward to that. we got the ticket you guys- giveaway, too. We've got uh, the two tickets to the Paul Correa retirement ceremony on October 21st, again, that we're going to. Oh, yeah. So you'll be able to join us there as well. So not only if you hang out with us at uh, the watch party, we're going to be going to the Paul Korea game. And we got two tickets for uh, the lucky people in Patreon. Uh, if you sign up at any level tier, uh, you have the opportunity to win two tickets to Paul Korea night. And those are two damn good seats. So yeah. don't miss out on that. Um, yeah. And we'll come hang out with you guys. That's the biggest prize, right? I mean, screw the game. Come pregame with <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah. We'll be at a brewery around the area, I'm sure. And then we'll, we'll hang out uh, during intermission. And that's, that's why you guys are there. We'll sign your jerseys. Uh, we'll kiss the babies. We'll take pictures. We'll do all the, all the fun stuff. <laughs> you may know you like almost made it to the NHL, gross. and you also met yeah. Bob Murray at a Starbucks. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. I could tell my story about me and Bob Murray at Starbucks. Hell yeah, man. So, it's a very short anyway, story. As much yeah. as we love going to hockey... <laughs> Uh, nothing we love more than presenting everybody with ourselves. So that's yes. what uh, you guys have to look forward to there. You guys, got any, you guys got any quick hits before we take off? No, I think that's uh, just, No, uh, I think we kind of covered it all. Other than the, those tickets, uh, too, the, those are uh, 200 sections. So we're, we're not talking, you know, bleeders that, uh, you know, we just found real cheap. I mean, these these are good seats in a good area. And especially if you're a Paul Korea fan, uh, this, this is your chance to kind of to see them off. I know uh, I will be crying heavily. I made sure Pat is going to bring plenty of tissues for me. <laughs> and um, in addition to that, it's... Uh, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a, a crazy weekend, man. We're going to be so 
hungover. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you going to choose your word yeah. carefully there? What are you going to oh, say? Uh, most likely hungover. One thing, and too, Sunday. as well, is uh, I know we've promised to be on YouTube as well as Spreaker this year. Uh, I'm on the road currently, so the Wi-Fi just isn't having it. It's not allowing us to start YouTube this week. Uh, I'll be back in my regular residence uh, at the end of this week. So we'll be trying to launch YouTube, I believe, for either the Saturday or Sunday game. We'll see how that works. If not, one of those games would be the next game after that. So hopefully we have it up and running for then. So that not only can you listen to us here, you can listen to us on YouTube. There's a chat room on there as well. It'll it'll open up uh, about 15, 20 minutes before the end of the game. Uh, and that one will also be accompanied with video, which will be pretty pretty fun if we can get it up and running. Yeah, I mean, why not? You get to see our, our beautiful faces online and then get to meet us at the game. It should be a good time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, I know that we ran a little bit long, so you stuck with us to the end. Good kudos for you. Shout out to all of our regulars in chat, Bay Bolts, Gordon Bombay, Derek Lockwood. We love you guys. Chase as well. And then my wife popping in randomly for the first Ooh. time ever, right? I was like, wait a minute. What's she doing listening to the show? But that's awesome, too. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Forever Mighty. You can also hit us up at Puck Guys Still. We're on there as well, all the same spots. And we love you guys. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, when's the next game? Wednesday night. Talk to you guys on Wednesday. Bye, guys.